Welcome back to the Wheel Take Sally podcast. I'm your host, Nick, and I'm joined by Andy, of course. And in today's episode, um, we're going to have, we have been on the, on a break for a while. Uh, this summer, I worked a full-time job. As you know, I'm still in college out here in Cortland. So I just wanted to gain money throughout the summer to, you know, just comfortably live out here in Cortland while I was having to pay for rent as well as now having to pay for groceries. I'm an adult now, so I've got to start doing things on my own. I thoroughly enjoy it, but that's the reason why over the summer we didn't have too much content out. At the same time, I'm back in Cortland and I have a big responsibility with the hockey team now being called the head coach, or not head coach, the video coach for the men's team out here in Cortland. And it's just been very exciting and it's taken away a lot of my time. Uh, meanwhile, also in the summer after work, I would also go to the gym and I've recently lost 40 pounds. So been busy with a lot of other priorities, but, uh, you know, I talked Shout with Andy out. this week. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, I'll tell you what, man, I feel great. I love going to the gym. It's a lot of fun. And I really try to encourage nice. everybody I talk to, to, you know, just go to the gym, even if Same. you're like not, you don't have a goal, like you don't know what to do or what exercises to do. Just go to the gym because you really feel good after going. Um, and, it, and our body functions off of, or specifically our brain functions off of, you know, like feedback mechanisms. So when you go to the gym and people notice like you've lost weight or you're noticing that you lose weight, it, it gives you more confidence to keep going and doing the things that you're doing. So um, I would I just always love to encourage people to go to the gym. With that being said, though, today's episode, we're going to be doing um, one team that we're surprised got off to a good start and who we think will continue at that rate and not drop off. At the same time, we'll also be talking about the team that we're disappointed in with their start. Uh, I'm sure everybody knows you know, a team out there that started off very disappointingly, uh, and they have definitely deserved a, uh, a criticism, that's for sure. Uh, without further ado, uh, we can name our teams. We don't have to go immediately into it. But one team that I think has started off great that I think will be consistent throughout the year. And I think this is going to be a bit of a surprise to people. But I'm going to pick the New Jersey Devils. Mm. And then as far as my it's, – it's a hot take. I'll say it. It's a hot take. But when you break down their stats, they are uh, – stat-wise, they are a very good team. And then a team that I'm disappointed in. Which should come to no surprise. It has to be the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, you know, what? what is this team doing, you know? Uh, but before we get into it, like I said, I'll pass it off to Andy. He'll name his teams. And then uh, we'll get right into the discussion. <clears throat> awesome. Thanks, Nick. And welcome back, everybody. Thanks for uh, holding on there for our hiatus. Um, so... Really, I mean, the first team that comes to mind for me, I haven't watched a single game yet <laughs> this season for them, but I checked the standings yesterday and was kind of taken back. It's going to be Boston. Um, and shout out to them uh, for for having such a good start between having a new coach and uh, some pretty high-profile injuries to start the season off with. Um, they've really made the most of it. And they're sitting at the top of the entire league along with Vegas. Vegas has a little bit 
surprised about. But to tell you the truth, Vegas right now looks to me the way that they should have looked last year. So I'm actually not as surprised, but it is still a little shocking there. Um, and then the, the disappointing team for me this season is, is so far New York. And I'll give you the credit, Nick. You called it out in the group chat. I think you watched the it was like your first or second game watching them this season. And, and I've watched the majority of their games this season. And I didn't agree with you at the time when you said it. I forgot who they had just played. It might have been that Columbus loss that you watched. Um, but I was watching their game against the Flyers the other night. And I got to say, probably right around the halfway mark of the second period, so the halfway through the game, it it wasn't doing it for me. You know, they they were a team that made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. They easily could have gone into the um, Stanley Cup Finals if they wanted to. And they and they just look like they're all slumping. They all look like, I mean, nobody could put the, the goal in the the puck in the goal that night. They, I think they hit the pipe four times and they coughed up a few sitting on the goal line there against the Flyers team that is just um, just about as good as some varsity teams right now. It, it really does feel like an AH. There's a few different teams that feel like I'm watching an AHL team, but that one particularly, another team that's dealing with some significant issues. So I really wanted to see more from New York. They almost had to go to a shootout against the Flyers in a 0-0 tie. Um, it's, it, that was a little bit embarrassing. And that was the, uh, I mean, really, that was the, cam- the straw that broke my back uh, if I was a camel. Because, like I said, to your point, you mentioned it like a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. And, and I wasn't ready to buy that stock yet, but I've come around to it now, that's for sure. Yeah, and the the other more recent game from the Rangers to me that I would agree with your pick is the three two win against Arizona. I mean, yeah. Don't get me wrong, Arizona. I'm not going to say they're underestimated, but that's a team that can play. Uh, what's it called? They can play. Oh man, what's the term like when you're talking about a team that can if you're making a run for the playoffs, take away points from teams that need it. Spoiler. Gosh. Spoiler, yeah. Yeah. That That's a team that can play spoiler. I know a lot of um, teams, like I said, will underestimate them. And that, to me, is is what the Rangers did because they only beat them 3-2. to two. And mm-hmm. if anybody looks at their starting roster, it's not a roster that catches your attention and goes, wow, this has got some, you know, underrated talent. It's got some talent that might produce more than uh, than their their stat sheets show it's a roster that's to your point about the flyers being an ahl team the arizona coyotes are ringing their ahl team to me and the rangers hardly scraped out a win stadium even their stadium screams that that's it too you know it's it's a good point their 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 stadium right now while they're in the middle of a transition between their old stadium and the new one that they're trying to propose out in it's not Glendale. I forget the area of, of uh, Scottsdale. Maybe I it's, it's in the middle part. I, I forget Tempe. I think maybe, I don't oh, know. Okay. Maybe that's where their old one was, uh, but I know, 
I I want to I want to say that their new their new rink proposal would go would be very close to where they're playing right now with Arizona State University. Okay. So for anybody who is more knowledgeable about Arizona State than we are, uh, I'm pretty sure their new rink would be in whatever town or city Arizona State's located. And I want to say it's Tempe, but I could be wrong. Um, but without further ado. Uh, I'll start with the New Jersey Devils, um, unless you want to get right into the Rangers because it's fresh, Ann. Uh, go for it. Okay. So the reason why I mentioned the Devils is they're a team that I was listening to because uh, I, I watch the Hockey Guy. And if anybody who, who's not familiar with the Hockey Guy on YouTube, I would a strongly re, uh, suggest a um, subscription to him, like subscribe to him. He's a great knowledgeable guy on the topic of hockey, and he likes to do a lot of fun idea videos in between his usual uh, game reviews and game previews that he always has every day, as well as other uh, videos like news of the day. The recent video that I've seen from him was a video that talked about the Devils, the Flyers, and the Sabres and their fast starts. Namely, he picked one of those three teams that could stay consistent throughout the year, and he did pick the Devils. So I have to give him credit, but the way he broke down the Devils, it made sense as to why uh, the Devils would be the team that would stay more consistent than the Flyers and the Sabres, who have gotten off to hot starts. Looking at their breakdown, I'll give you an idea of the... New Jersey Devils before I get into more so why I think they're they're going to stay consistent. Their goals for a game is 3.60. They average so they average 3.6 goals a game. They average 2.5 goals against. So again, not very bad numbers. Uh pretty even and with the way things turn out, they're most likely going to win games 3 to 2, 4 3 in an area like that. Their power play percentage is 22.2%, which it's probably around average middle of the pack in the NHL. You'd like to see it closer to 25%, but to click at 22.2%, you'll take it. Their penalty kill is at 88.2%, which, you know, that that's a hell of a penalty kill. Anything that's close to 90, you're going to do well. Their shots for are 39.1 on average, and their shots against are 28.1. So this is a team that almost doubles, uh, you know, their opponent's shots on goal. Yeah. And, you know, people talk about goaltending with this team. Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, I think, is a very underrated goalie in this league. He's not necessarily thought of as, you know, like a Connor Hallibuck or a Vasilevsky. And he's even been right, uh, written off because in the past, I think he's dealt with injuries, especially earlier in his career. I want to say he was out of the majority of the games just this past season due to an injury. And now that he finds himself back, you know, he's got to almost get credit back from everyone who's doubted him. And I think he's done that so far. I believe he's posting like a nine... And actually, he's posting a pretty bad save percentage. It's at 0.879 save percentage, but he's four and two. So it's it is worrisome that he's not started off that great in net. Um, the problem being that his save percentage is that low. But as far as 
the record concerns. It's a team that doesn't give up very many uh, shots on goal, like I said. All Mackenzie Blackwood has to do is just get more used to not seeing so many shots. It's almost like, I believe, Mrazek, Andy, when he was a hurricane, his scouting report was the least amount of shots he faced, the worse he did. I think yeah. was that scouting report. It, well, it, it was the other way around. It was the more shots he faced, the better he got throughout the okay. night. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And which which was a problem because we were the textbook devils. We were the we were the team that outshot you two to one, two and a half to one on a regular basis. So why are we putting a guy in the net who needs to see the puck more <laughs> to do better? You know. Yes, and and that's exactly how the devils are now they're they're a team that can do really well with that aspect but uh, Mackenzie Blackwood hasn't been able to sort of find his own yet in that and like I said he dealt with injuries earlier in his career and he's still dealing with them now I'm giving him a little bit more time here to sort of adjust to being back having that full-time position uh, they kind of have a 1a 1b too like a two-headed monster in net would be Tech Vanacek. So, you know, in, in case if Mackenzie Blackwood doesn't perform in net, they have a reliable, like I said, not a backup, but sort of a 1B option in Vitek Vanacek. Uh, looking at their five-on-five, they're one of the best five-on-five teams in the league. Their Corsi uh, is 63.33, which is ranked two. Uh, their expected chances for is 66.83%, which is, which is rank one. Um, and that, that's a hell of a stat because when you look at this, this devil's roster, you don't really think of them as a team that scores. There's no big name on this team, like an Ovechkin, like a Crosby, like a McDavid that, you know, gets the, your attention that has scoring uh, depth, but they're all scoring on, on every cylinder. Uh, when I look up their roster, I believe there are at least four or five players that have more than seven goals. So they're getting a lot of scoring depth. And we always mention that if you're going to win the Stanley Cup, you're going to need depth, especially in the playoffs. But if you want to stay consistent in the regular season, you got you to also have that same depth. And right now the Devils have it. And the Devils are doing it with guys like Nico Heischer, guys like Jack Hughes, guys like Dan Marino, who's a defenseman they got from Pittsburgh. They're doing great, and it's just fantastic to watch this team because the Devils and the Sabres are much alike that they've just been so bad for so long that you're almost rooting for them to be successful. You're almost rooting them for finally taking that next change step. Pace. Yeah. Change of pace, and I think we're finally seeing that with the Devils team. Going back to goaltending, if Mackenzie Blackwood can have a rebound season and perform at a high rate, this team could be definitely a wild card, not for a cup contender, but certainly to at least make a bit of a run dark horse contender to be maybe a second round, third round exit, which if you're the devils, you'd take that any day. If you're a devil's fan, that's just been sitting around since I want to say, I know they made it in 2018, but they, they lost so quickly and it. They lost to five. They lost in five games to the lightning. Uh, and prior to that, again, they haven't had much success in the playoffs. So if you're going to see this Devils team make the playoffs this season and go deep, then you're almost going to be in the position that the Rangers were in just last season, who are now expected to be one of the top teams. And we'll get to the Rangers later. But yeah, as far as the Devils go, I am just really impressed with this team thus far. 
And unlike the Flyers and the Sabres, who have somewhat gotten off to hot starts, I feel I feel as though the Devils have the edge in goaltending, even though Blackwood's numbers aren't great right now. I just have more confidence in a in a Blackwood, Vitek, Vanacek combo than I do say Eric Comrie or, or Anderson in Buffalo. I got you. Um, and then just to quickly wrap it up here, so they have. They have four players who have four goals or more, them being Nico Heischer, Jesper Bratt, Jack Hughes, and Dawson Mercer. Um, I'll, I just want to throw that out there. And Dan Marino, who's, you know, like I said, they picked him up from Pittsburgh. He's producing. He's got 10 games played with five points. He's got a goal and four assists. So you like to see that out of a guy that, again, he's it's his first year with the Devils, and you love to see some production out of him. I think a lot of the problems with players that go to different teams, they struggle to sort of get used to a system and start playing well and producing, but Marino in 10 games has five points. You'd like to see it maybe a little bit higher, but again, he's not their number one defenseman. That would be Dougie Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And so the, the pressure is kind of off Marino and more so on Hamilton. And I think that that that's allowing Hamilton to be a little bit more comfortable than he was in Pittsburgh because in Pittsburgh, Yes, there is Latang, but at the same time, Latang was so injury prone that his duties and his responsibilities almost got pushed onto and were put on the shoulder of Dan Marino. And I feel like when he's not under that pressure, he plays well. Ironically, Dougie Hamilton is injury prone and might end up putting the brunt of the defense <laughs> on, on Marino. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, maybe if he can stay healthy, we'll see. <laughs> But thus far, he's played 10 games as well, and he has seven points himself, two goals and five assists for Dougie Hamilton. Um, it would be great to see Hamilton and, and Marino sort of produce like this and continue it, because uh, that'll be really good for Devils fans, because uh, they definitely want to see Hamilton produce more, especially making, I want to say, $9.5 million off the top yeah, of my head. Somewhere, yeah, it's, some, it's no more than 10. It's somewhere in the nine. I think nine and a half is accurate. I couldn't I couldn't remember if Seth Jones was the one who got nine point five and if Dougie Hamilton was the one that got nine. nine I know three that quarters. <laughs> yeah, it's like I said, when we mentioned it in the previous podcast, uh, but this past um off season, this past free agency ago. was just the, the year of the defenseman. If if your if your uh, roster card was in front of a GM and under position it said D they just gave you the whole damn bank. <laughs> it just didn't matter who you were. You just got paid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the Devils, like I said, they're still a young team. Um, they, they have to be one of the youngest teams in the NHL because looking at their roster, there's a lot of these guys that I never heard of before. Uh, and, again, th this is a roster that you look at it and you're just kind of confused with some of the guys on it. Uh, but. You know, if if at the if at the trade deadline they can pick up some pieces and they stay consistent, they can bring more of a veteran presence. They can bring more of uh, scoring depth. They're going to be on track right here to have a great season, and I'm certainly excited for it because, like I said, the the, the Sabers and the Devils have been in the same boat more so the Sabers and the Devils, but definitely two teams that have underperformed the last few years, haven't been able to make the playoffs, and we're just trying trying to finally see them 
break free and and yeah. get out of that rebuild that they're, they've been in. Definitely, dude. I think that's a good pick. That, that I mean, they they haven't been on my radar. That's for damn sure. Uh, so I'll definitely be checking out their games more often now if I see them on TV. But I mean, I'll take the time to pivot here into the team that I am looking at having a, a better season than I had anticipated, and that's Boston. I know I said I haven't really watched much of their games this season. Um, I did cancel my cable subscription over the uh, summer, so and because I am local to the Boston area, I no longer can watch it unless I go to a bar of some kind. But, but. That being said, I mean, Boston had a lot of adversity to face this season. Um, last season, it was a it was a first-round exit uh, at the hands of Carolina. You know, I will admit, uh, Greg and I went to game four for that series, I believe. Um, and after that night, every, I was telling everybody in the arena that game, that series would go to seven. I didn't see Carolina. I did not foresee Carolina winning it in Boston, any game in Boston. Um, but after that series was over, uh, it was it, it was a weird time to be a Boston Bruins fan. I think. I think right now. I think even when the season started, it, it still felt a little weird, a little uneasy to be a Bruins fan. Um, but you know now here we are a month in ten games in and uh, and it probably feels really good and to credit the the person who it is I I, I forgive me but I don't I I haven't even looked at the, the new coach's name um, but whoever it is they are taking over that locker room it sounds like at least from talking to Ryan um, it sounds like there's a lot of a lot more camaraderie going on. There are uh, players that are being interviewed and giving responses, such as there's a lot more smiles coming into the, uh, you know, arena, either the Warrior Practice Facility Arena um, or the TD Garden on game day. And so maybe that's all it took. Maybe that was really all that they needed because, you know, even after that lost series last year and knowing that Boston is now, okay, we're now 11 seasons removed from the Stanley Cup win. Um, Chara just retired, so that entire roster is now gone. We can't talk about any of them, well, aside from Marshawn and Bergeron. But, you know, the the captain from that roster is now gone. You can't really talk about it anymore. And it's kind of like, you know, when are we going to start seeing something? It's been 11, 11 uh, years of this, 11 cycles. and um, and a lot of the big names were still there. I mean, on paper, they were still a really good team last year because you talk, we talk about them every single year, year in and year out, come postseason. Booths talk about them, but those three guys, Marshawn, Bergeron, and, and Pasternak. And look, you have Taylor Hall clicking now this year. I mean, he's been providing decent secondary production for the team, but I was just looking at the stats. I think he has five goals this season, so that's a goal every other game. For Pasta, Marshawn has returned from his injury. That was the other thing. They had a decent amount of injuries that they were dealing with at the start of the season. Um, Hampus Lindholm is finding his place in the score sheet. He's second on the team to Pasternak for points um, and assists. Uh, and Taylor Hall is second to Pasta with 
five goals. Pasta's got seven goals, 11 assists, 18 points on the season already. The kid is hot as can be. He's about as hot as the Sabres are. And similar to the Sabres, the question of can he sustain this? Um, and honestly, there's a really good, I think they're playing tonight against the Rangers. So huge, huge uh, game tonight because my number one, you know, the team that I have had the po- most positive surprising start to the season is pitted against the team that has had a pretty disappointing one, um, or at least has fallen short, I think, on the expectations since last year. They don't, the Rangers just, it's almost like a flop. Boston to me seems like they're carrying energy that is completely disconnect from the previous season. And New York is carrying that energy connected from the previous season still. Um, I don't want, do you want me to segue here? I, I think Swayman is tearing it up too in goal. Let me pull his stats up here. Um, I don't want to sell anyone on that team short, but. While you while you look up his stats, I can talk a little bit more about Boston in general. Um, the the coach you mentioned, their their change was Jim Montgomery. And if anybody remembers, right. Jim Montgomery was the coach in Dallas during the bubble year, who I think came out and was having some sort of issue. I don't know if it was uh, alcoholism or okay uh, a battle with. Yeah, here we go. It goes. It's it's an article I hear just found. Jim Montgomery on Stars dismissal road to sobriety, uh, and I believe what had happened was he was just during the bubble and during that return of play, he was seen as unprofessional by Jim Nill, who's the I believe owner. No, sorry, general manager of the Dallas Stars. He wasn't happy with what he was seeing and what he was hearing from players about Jim Montgomery. Details never usually came out about that incident. We just randomly heard that, you know, shortly after the bubble had expired, they fired um, Jim Montgomery. So it was kind of out of nowhere. This was also the time that other coaches around the league were starting to get fired for their, you know, misconduct Conduct, yeah. as a coach. So that, that like, that's when that was starting. And for, I want to say two years, he had been out of a job. And then the, the Bruins, I hate to say like put took a chance on him, but the, the Bruins hired him and he's he's completely been the opposite of what he was in his later year of Dallas. And when I when they hired him, I had to sort of take a, a second to be like, is that the same Jim Montgomery who, who coached the stars? Oh, yeah, it is, man. OK, uh, so, yes, he, he had gone through some uh, a very hard time with alcoholism when he was with the uh, stars. I, I, I want to say that some details did come out, but not too much. Uh, people may have claimed, and I can't remember if these were um, substantial or not, but I want to say like sometimes he'd show up drunk or buzzed to either team practices or team meetings, you know, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Probably belligerent. Uh, belligerent, yes. Probably he was abusive, belligerent. maybe. Yes. Yeah. The, 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 so stuff like that was coming out, but no more specific details than that. Uh, And so that, that I'm glad to see right now. I'm so happy to see Montgomery bounce back. It's almost like uh, a few years ago when Bobby Ryan went and entered the uh, NHL players abuse program Yeah. and the, the game, he came back, he scored a hat trick in Ottawa and everybody was just, I mean, 
that was like the talk of the uh, the season at that point. Uh, even the talk of the season as a whole, all 82 games, one of the biggest stories out of that was Bobby Ryan's comeback from his own substance abuse, uh, as well as his, uh, I believe it was alcohol as well. Yes, it was. Uh, and and he, while we're on that topic, uh, I do believe Bobby Ryan has relapsed. So, you know, best best wishes to him as he uh, yes. hopefully tries to recollect himself. Yeah. yeah. And for, for even more clarification, if you don't understand what Bobby's been through, uh, definitely look up. I, there was this 20-minute video I looked up. I believe it's on Sportsnet YouTube channel. There's a mini documentary about um, – Bobby Ryan and what he's been through as a kid, his childhood was very traumatic and that has led him to, you know, abuse alcohol the way he's been throughout his career. Uh, So for anybody who wants to know a little bit more about why he's relapsed and why he's, you know, an alcoholic and abuses alcohol, check out that mini documentary that Sportsnet did on him. It's very, very uh, good. I listened to it. it's, It's just a great informational read. And it really just makes you feel for the guy. That's that's why, especially when he came back that one game, you know, I was I was like, man, good for this guy. Like, how could you hate how how could you not support what he's done? You know, it's not easy doing what he he had to do. And I'm glad that he's uh he, he at least at the time was in the substance abuse program and got through it. But mm-hmm. Back to Swayman, if you want to well, get his Actually, stats. yeah. So, actually, I stand corrected. It's been Omar pulling the uh, the weight in the blue paint there. Um, Allmark's top 10 in all three goalie statistics. Uh, two of them, he's right on the cusp, but he's there. So, he's 10th overall for uh, save percentage, or, I'm sorry, goals against average at 2.19. He is, I believe, ninth. Yes, ninth on the save percentage at 932, and he's leading the league in wins with seven. So huge shout out to Allmark there. I, I can I, I now see, you know, without really having watched much, I now see um, why they are doing so well. They're channeling all this energy coming from, or all this energy and all these um, benefits coming from their goaltender there. So that's huge for them. Um, hopefully he continues on throughout the season and he doesn't cool off. I think I think that's going to be the, uh, I don't want to call it the missing link, but it's, but to me, I think Allmark's consistency in net might end up being like a circuit breaker for how well the Bruins are doing in the sense that if he goes, he might trip this, the entire circuit board um, and shut it off kind of thing to, for lack of a better metaphor there. Um, yep. But yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I watched the Bruins game the other night against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I never like to count the Bruins out. They're always a team that I never count out. Totally. And when they were, especially if they're in the garden, man. Yeah. And this was a game where they weren't in the garden. They were in the uh, PPG paints arena, which is obviously where Pittsburgh plays and they're up five, two. And I'm, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I know it's the third period, but I just got a feeling the Bruins are going to come back here. And sure enough, they did. They came back down five to two, won it in overtime, six, five. And I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. 
And it's funny, the next game, this, the Pittsburgh Penguins blew a three to one lead to Buffalo. <laughs> and after we scored our second goal of the game to make it three, two, Mike Sullivan calls a timeout to kind of gather the, the team and sort of calm pause them the down, pause yeah. the momentum. But we scored again. And I feel he should have done that against the Bruins rather than the Sabres because the Bruins are more of a team that thrive off of momentum. You know, oh, yeah. when you talk about the Bruins team, Marshawn, Pasternak, and Bergeron, guys like that, momentum is flowing through their body. And the moment they score, the moment they do anything, like they make yeah. a great play, they make a great hit, it, it, it expels to the other team. You know, it just it comes from out of them to the other team. And that's exactly what happened against Pittsburgh. That's a good point, dude. I forgot to bring that game up. I was looking through the uh, stat sheet on that and that was huge. It was, it was beyond the halfway point when they were down by three. So if you think about it, the way that I always do it, cause I'm weird is that you can continue, like you can keep hitting the reset button no matter what point it is in the game. But at any given point, when you hit the reset button, you now are starting at the clock at zero for a new game. But the game is shorter than a traditional game. And on top of that, it doesn't start out zero to zero. I know that's like such a simple concept to just explain. And I really can't take credit for it because it's just there. Anybody can observe that. But when you think about comebacks, especially multi-goal comebacks, and the point with which that they begin, time is always of the essence. And if you go back to that game, um, Marshawn scored a goal to make it 5-3, I think within 60 seconds of the, the Pens making it 5-2. And that's, and I mean, that's just, to me, it's like a skill. It, it, a comeback is a skill for guys like Marshawn and Bergeron because while it takes the entire team to make the comeback happen, make it possible, make it successful, somebody has to put it on their back to start it. And Marshawn and Bergeron are literally guys who I feel have the capability to flip a switch when a goal is necessary. Um, and that's a that's a great example of it. Marshawn scoring within 60 seconds of the Pens making it 5-2 to bring the game back to a two-goal game. That's much more manageable. Um, and it stayed that way until the third. And after that, all you got to do is win a period. Um, and they did that. They tied it when it sends it off to overtime. And once it goes to overtime, it's anybody's game. And that is actually a really good segue. If you want, I can now go into the Rangers because the Rangers nearly let the Flyers take a, take a point away from them in the standings. I mean, they let them hang around the entire game. It was a 0-0 game at the end of regulation. The Flyers at any moment could have stolen that game, stolen two points, one point, whatever it was. Stole, not only that, if they stole the game, any amount of points in that game, who knows what it would have done to the, to the players, to the team, because I tell you what, it took a while. They scored with like 53 seconds left in overtime, but you know who it was, dude? It was Kreider on an amazing feed up the middle after an enormous defensive stand. So even though it was a pretty piss poor game on the stat sheet, 
I think they had five power plays. They went over on five power plays. That's unacceptable. I mean, you got to be burying teams like Philly, like Arizona, um, especially after coming off of an Eastern Conference final series where you, I know you ended up getting kind of swept out of it, but you you put your money into into Tampa's mouth in the first two games of that series. And beyond that, you put away the Carolina Hurricanes, a really, really good team. That I mean, that really spoiled our season. And I'm surprised that we haven't come out with a pretty lackluster start. In fact, that's what I was worried about most with Carolina, was that they were going to let that sour taste just rot in their mouth during the offseason, and it was going to be a tricky beginning to the season. But it, to tell you the truth, it looks like it's actually leaning that way in um, New York's favor. And I mean, it's expected. It, it's kind. Of, it kind of goes back to what 2018, 2019. When we got when we made it on a hot streak to the Eastern Conference Finals. We took Washington to seven in the first round, swept the Islanders, and then got swept by Boston. It it was a sour taste in the guys' mouths. They learned from it, and you know, New York is now having that first taste of it themselves. But they didn't get swept out of that series. They they were right there with it. I mean, I know it was four two loss in the series, but the first two games they absolutely handled Tampa, and and Tampa really really had to dig deep um, to hold off the Rangers for that series. Um, so deep. Uh, by the way, they had to dig so deep that I think it it really did impact their next series. Um, in which Colorado was able to kind of dust them off and hoist the cup. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I want to see high flying coming from New York, especially when I'm turning them on to watch them play against Tony D'Angelo and the freaking flyers, Tony D'Angelo. If I could go back to him briefly, I mean, the guy was such a liability and and not in the sense that he has bad PR, bad media, bad locker room presence. Put, put all that stuff aside. Just watch him lead a power play. And he's a power, like, I don't know if it's, like, self-imposed. If I'm sure we've all played sports with guys like this. In fact, a couple of them come to mind from my childhood who just kind of promote their image as being, you know, the number one shortstop or the quarterback. And that's what I am. And the coaches kind of go along with it. I sure as shit hope that doesn't happen at the NHL level. But to me, D'Angelo is just this massive liability on the power play. He does he does all those setups from his from his own end where he comes out hot as a cannon up the middle and through the uh, through the blue lines. And then he just leaves it off or or drops it back to a forward that he knows that's like 25 feet behind him. And kind of like, oh, oh, you're passing it to me. I got to kind of get up there now in the play. My bad. Um, so, yeah, like going back, I, I don't want to get too sidetracked here, but New York's really got to start putting teams away. Um, I don't think their schedule has been all that difficult just yet. And they have amassed two or three losses. Um, they've had really close wins against teams that I think that they should have probably blown the doors off of. Um, so I'm looking to see Zabanajad get going. Zabanajad has hit a ton of posts. I hope he doesn't get too discouraged because that's still a pretty accurate shot. 
I mean, I know it doesn't go down as a shot on goal or a save for the goalie, but um, you're you're literally right there. Uh, so hopefully he doesn't get bogged down. Kreider, I I don't want to speculate on it, but if it were me, I mean, if I'm Kreider, I'm kind of feeling a little slighted that I'm not the captain. And I don't know how the fans feel about Truba. The media seems to enjoy him, but I just think that Kreider was much more the slam dunk choice, especially after that season he had last year. I mean, he had he had like 50-something goals, which nobody talks about. Kreider had 50-something goals last year, and I think he led the league with like 17, 18, or 19 power play goals. And I'm just not seeing that level of um, play from him this season. And, and I gotta, I can't help but think he might have a little bit of a sour taste in his mouth about not having the captain on his jersey. And I totally, totally support it if he does. I, I would be peeved if I was him. Um, Kako, Kako is impressing me this year, but Panarin is quiet. Zabanajad has been kept off the sheet pretty decently, especially in that Flyers game. And Kreider the hero came came to the rescue there. But I mean Lafreniere comes to mind as well. Yep. And you know what? And Adam Fox Dis- disappointing for really sure. Good. Yeah. I mean, I I I don't mean to harp on Lafreniere because he was a part of the what was the COVID draft which um, oh, right. I, I, I believe any Quebec major junior league so anybody coming out of the uh, QMJHL uh, which is obviously only just a Quebec uh, junior league but anybody coming out of there couldn't play their their games at all and I want to say he was a part of the uh, that that was the league he was pretty much brought up in to play juniors before he's gone to the nhl and i want to say that that stunted him because i gotta be honest this rangers team is good they got talent you mentioned Kreider, you mentioned capo caco and i agree capo caco i feel is finally starting to come into his groove a big part of that is philip hedel who seems to be taking both capo caco and lafreniere under his wing and he's only <laughs> i think i think he's only 22 capo's 21 and wow. lafreniere's 20 you know, um, but it, it is to say that there are there are other guys performing on this team or have in the past while Lafreniere is still trying to, like, catch up and get to the level that he's supposed to be at. Remembering that he's also a former number one overall pick and, and you want to talk about the spotlight and the microscope. That that comes with being the number one overall draft. You yeah. know, people are going to be focused on you and I'd, I'd have to agree with your um your Kreider take that that was the most mind-boggling captaincy i think i've ever yeah because they haven't had a captain if, correct me if i'm wrong but they haven't had a captain since was it ryan mcdonough when he was traded to the lightning or ryan callahan um, i thought callahan held it for a little bit yeah Cal- callahan i know was the captain i just forget what year his captaincy ran from and i know he got traded i believe to the lightning and then uh, obviously he wasn't the captain of the rangers anymore and i don't know if they renamed the captain to mcdonough or not but regardless carter's been with this team his whole career and i get it he's old so if 
maybe you didn't want to name him captain because you're unsure of how long he's going to play and then you're going to be in the same boat. But I totally agree. And I think that that might be a, a good reason why he's off to a slow start. Because like you said, he's, he was, I think he scored 52 goals that year. It was in the fifties. I mean, yeah. dude, yeah, before was, last season started, I was calling for Kreider to be the captain. And then after last season, I thought it was a slam dunk. If if I was a degenerate gambler, I would have gone to Vegas and I would have dumped my life savings on Kreider being named the captain. I honestly would have. I was shocked and astonished when he didn't get named the captain. And I've got it, by the way. So Callahan... Callahan up until 2014, and then it was McDonough till 2018. So it's been okay. four years since they had a had, right. had a sitting captain, and they went with Jacob Truva. Who and they no acquired. disrespect to Jacob Truva, but I just I really think Kreider embodied the Rangers, embodied the captaincy, embodied leadership, and what more do you need to be the captain? Right. I'm sure he's well spoken. He's already been the assistant for, for as long as he's been. He's been with the team forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. So. And, and, and you know, to, to add off of that, I'm not saying that his motivation to have 52 goals in a season was captaincy's up for grabs. And, you know, I, I really want it. So in order to get it, I'm going to try and have a, a spectacular season. Yeah. I don't think that that was his motivation um, because obviously – that would be selfish and that's not very captain like, but at the same time, you know, he, he's been with the team long enough. He's known a lot of the core here and most of the core is gone from a lot of their past years, but he's been one of the only guys to have stuck around. Lundquist yep. is gone. McDonough is gone. We talked about Callahan being gone and those were the Boy, big names. Gone, yeah. Those were the big names. And he's been the only guy, if not one of the only guys who were on that 2014 cup run that are still here. Yeah. You know? And going, going back to what you said before, I forget it, going back to last season, him going off last season and maybe it not being a personal decision for him to go off. Like I get it. He definitely told himself in the mirror, I got to have a, a bigger season than I normally would. But dude, 50 plus goals is, is un, unheard of from a guy like Kreider. And so yeah. to, the, the aspect that people aren't thinking about here is that, yes, Kreider has to do what he has to do last season to give himself the best chances at maybe being named captain. But beyond that, Nick, the fact that he did so well tells you enough about his other teammates out there because it's his teammates that got him to that 50-goal thing. All his goals on the peak on the power play were tippins. So that and- tells you that his teammates are, are willing to throw pucks at him, willing to... Like, they probably practiced through all that. I mean, the level of it being not just about him last season, but about the people that were surrounding around him and were rallying around him says a lot as well that I think was ignored. Right, right. And to, you know, add on your point about the power play, he had 35 goals on the power play. Oh, I was way off. (laughs) <laughs> You're totally fine. I, I thought he had 25 goals on the power play when I was talking Holy uh, to, a, to a friend about uh, his performance on the power play a couple months ago before the season started. And then I actually looked it up and I was like, holy crap, he had 35 goals in the power play. 
that that's like Ovechkin type numbers, you know, like that scoring is. 52 goals and you 35 of them are on the power play. He's just not even he, shots. They're just exactly tippins. they're tippins He's or they're putting they're his body in front of the net, putting his putting his his physical well being on the line for the entire team. I I'm getting so mad right now <laughs> for the fact that he doesn't have well, captaincy, dude. I'll I'll also add this to the Rangers debate as far as um, specifically that game against the Flyers. Carter Hart, I had his stats pulled up. He has the fourth best so save good. percentage. Yeah, man. Nine thir- 943. You want to talk about a guy who has come back. Uh, the difference between him last season and so far this season is is actually night and day. Mm-hmm. I was in the boat that he, Carter Hart is not only a bust, but might see himself out of the NHL if this season goes anything like last. Um, you know, the Flyers had a lot of hope in Carter Hart. They've yeah. never really had gold, good goaltending in recent years. And Carter Hart was supposed to be that guy that that sort of is your number one go-to, not a Vasilevsky type, but certainly just a reliable goaltender. The starter. Yep. And the starter. And that game against the Rangers, he was he was giving it his all. And so, you know, I do understand your point. It's not to take away the fact that they almost went to a shootout with the Flyers going 0-0. But it is just to say that Carter Hart was played has just been playing out of his mind thus far yeah. and really having a good bounce back season. He's uh, contributing then, a lot to why they are had a decent start this season for and, sure. And I was going to go into that that I forgot to mention about the Devils. Just want to make the quick point that I think Carter Hart is the foundation as to why the Flyers are on a start that they've had. Oh yeah. And I I just don't believe Carter Hart will be consistent. So I, it's not I sustainable. Not the team isn't scoring enough. I mean, they, that game against the uh, Shostakin only had to stop 19 shots through yeah. almost three and a quarter periods. So <laughs> that's light work for him. The Rangers are lucky he didn't have a garbage goal or a little blunder because that would right. have been the difference that night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just wanted to clarify that point for Carter Hart in that game against the Rangers. Gotcha. I also wanted to mention for the captaincy. Now you can you can tell me this about you know you can give me your take on this, but do you think that Zabinajad would have been a good option for captaincy or at least in the discussion? Because I say this, he's been on that team since 2016 2017 when he was traded uh, when Broussard was traded uh, for him uh, to go to New York. The the uh, the Rangers sent Broussard to Ottawa and. So he's been with that team since 2017. Mm. Now, similar to Kreider in the fact that he's been with this core that they have now for as long as Kreider. Because like I said, Kreider's time with the Rangers was far exceeding, you know, Lafreniere, Capococco, Adam Fox, and, you know, Shesterkin. But it's another name that I it, – it's just another person that I think they should have considered before giving it to Truba. Trouble yeah. of all people, that guy was never even an assistant captain with the Winnipeg Jets, you know, let alone the captain. And I understand it's come out now that Winnipeg has one of the worst locker rooms in the NHL with how Shifley and Wheeler have dealt with players and specifically line a when he was going through his whole, you know, going away uh-huh. party with Winnipeg and his transition into Columbus. It was coming out that, you know. Mark Shifley and Wheeler were very critical people of, of his play and 
you know, stuff like that. But Truba, just the most random guy I think they could have given captaincy to. And I'd have to 100% agree that I, I, it's, it's caused a bit of distaste in Crowder's mouth and maybe it's affecting him mentally to the point where, like you said, he's, he's not producing as much. I mean, he's, his stat line is even as you'd like to see it. He's four for four for eight points in 11 games. You'd love to see that spread. Um, But it, it is a good point by you that maybe it's, it's, Four goals in 11 games for Kreider's maybe a little low for his past uh, season. And and it could be the cause of, like you yeah. said, his, uh, you know, him not even being named uh, the, excuse me, the captain. I would say, yeah. So to wrap it all up here, first of all, yeah, I do think the advantage would have been, because here's the thing. If you, if you're going, if you're going to, to, to Truba because you want to give it to a young guy, maybe. If that's the take you're going with, because Kreider's 31, he'll be 32 next April. Zabanejad next April will be 30, and Truba next year will be 29. So if you're going for youth and you gave it to Truba for that reason, why didn't you get it to Zabanejad? If you're going for true team leader, um, et cetera, et cetera, you know, merit kind of thing, just yeah. across the board, who's the best captain? Why didn't you go with Kreider? Right. So yeah, and and between and then between that, the last thing I also wanted to wrap up with was, especially during that Flyers game, just the faces. Just look at the faces on everybody on the Rangers, especially when they go to the bench after maybe a uh, you know a two post shift. Go wash their faces on the bench and Kreider. Just and even Kreider beyond the games, just seeing his face in interviews since and yada yada yada, and even his congratulatory like the little clip, the little montage clip that they all put together for for the new captain, mm-hmm. like yep. it's it just does not. He his face and his body language is just like <laughs> awkward, you know, awkward. I'm here. I'm just here so I don't get fined. You know, he's doing the Marshawn yeah. Lynch kind of thing, and I and yeah. again. I do not blame the guy. If he's got a bad taste in his mouth right now, get it out and and do do whatever you need to get it out because you're still a good team. You can put together a championship run still. You just got to put that stuff behind you for the season, unfortunately. Yeah. It's unfortunate. That's all. And and it's a good point by you. And oddly enough, I didn't even know you had this set up, but it works perfectly. And to segue, the, the team that I've been most disappointed sure. in, in, in the Maple Leafs, um, because I I was critical just as much as Truba was new to the Rangers that Tavares was to the Leafs, giving him the captaincy really made me question that decision way back then. You know, because that was it was John Tavares' first season with the Leafs. I understand that he was the former captain of the Islanders, so he's had uh, experience being a captain, leading a team, being that guy in the locker room. If say the coach is not there, he'd be a guy that can speak for uh, them and, and talk to them. Why did you not give that to Austin Matthews or Morgan Riley? Mitch, I don't think with the, and we'll get into this. I have so much to say about the Toronto Maple Leafs because they're just a team that, like you said the other day, they're simply just an anomaly. I tr- trying to understand the Toronto Maple Leafs 
is like trying to understand string theory in in physics i i try to understand string theory it makes no damn sense to me just like looking at what the toronto maple leafs are doing and continuing with their same old same old just makes you try it it just doesn't make sense because on paper that team is phenomenal you, you have a, a goal scorer in austin matthews who who you mentioned Kreider didn't get talked about for for scoring 60 uh, not 62 52 goals Freaking Matthews scores 62, gets 51 goals in 50 games, something that Mario Lemieux was the last guy to do in the 90s. That didn't get talked about. Yes, he won the heart, but I, and this was my distaste with McDavid that I had. Um, my hate was towards McDavid, but it, it's really at the media and how it's it's covered and how they covered the NHL because McDavid almost every year, it's like, is he a heart winner? Is he a heart winner? And I'm just like a heart winner should go to somebody who's, you know, breaking unbelievable records, like 51 goals in 50 games. You know, very few people have done that. And McDavid has yet to do that in his career, while Austin Matthews did it just last year, coming off of a season that he had wrist surgery on, you know, and it's like, oh, big deal, you know, whatever. But anyway, getting back to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I, I definitely question if Tavares was the right fit for captaincy. I understand that he had been a previous captain with the Islanders, but you got to understand it. It's a new team, new dynamic, you know, and when he played for the Islanders, they didn't have the talent that uh, the Leafs have now with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and Morgan Riley. They didn't have that. So it's like a new environment for him that he's never been in. And though he's been a captain, it's almost maybe he doesn't know how to, convey his message to this team. He's also significantly older than this team. Uh, so it's, right. it's, it's almost like if you had a younger guy like Morgan Riley or Austin Matthews, they might do a better job of being able to be heard by the whole team because they, they're relatively a young team and Austin Matthews, given his talent and giving his age might be able to, to further that message to the rest of the crowd than John Tavares, who's, you know, not an old head compared to this team, but maybe a little bit more old fashioned than, you know, I'd say new guys in the league like on, Austin Matthews. On top of that, Nick, is that it gives it gives you as the, 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 the GM the opportunity that when Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner's contract com, is coming up, you know, it, it gives you the opportunity to say, hey, Austin. I know you, you know, I know the last few years have been a struggle here in Toronto. We still haven't won a first round <laughs> playoff series yet. Yeah. But, you know, don't forget, man, we may, we asked you to be our captain because it was a sign of faith, a sign of good faith between us, the organization, and you, the player. We really, you know, I felt we've made a good culture for you to be able to establish a brand of your own that's associated, that's a tied to the Maple Leafs. Um, we made you the captain when you were young for that reason. So we've given you a lot here. We've offered you a lot. And and I really, and that gives you leverage on the other side of their mm -hmm. contract, whether it's price point, whether it's terms, term yep. and year, you know, year length, whatever it is. Bonuses. bonuses or, if it's, or if it's just to try and keep the guy around, it gives you leverage there still. So I would agree, you know, going with the older guy, while it might provide good leadership, good veteran, uh, you know, vocalization, 
Yes. The guy might not necessarily be the embodiment of the Maple Leafs. Right. Because there are people out there who, if you say Tavares, they might still envision the Islanders when you do that. And, um, and they they definitely will because he had been the captain for the Islanders. I want to say... I want to say he started being the captain after his rookie year or his sophomore year. So it was pretty early in his uh, tenure with them. And like I said, at that point, he was a very young captain. And, you know, at the time he, he maybe was adjusting to it and just trying to gain some experience and some help from outside veteran presence with Austin Matthews or Morgan Riley. They're guys who have been with this core since they've started having playoff woes outside of that 2014 year. But again, neither Tavares was a part of that either. So, you know, everybody's exempt from that. Uh, But certainly starting from 2017 and on, all of, you know, Austin Matthews and Morgan Riley have been on that, those teams that have just constantly failed in the first round. Mm -hmm. What can Tavares bring or what could have he have brought to sort of, give a new embodiment, like you said, you know, sort of a new perspective. When he was with the Islanders, they didn't make the playoffs all that much. And yes, they did win a round, but it was against the Florida Panthers team that again was not expected to win. Uh, I believe the year was 2016. I think it was his last year with the Islanders. They, they finally uh, won in the first round and broke a, uh, I want to say like a two plus decade stint of again you know bad first round uh exit you know bad first round exits yeah so you know and and the reason why i was so critical going back and forth with ryan in the group chat about this was you know looking at that ducks game i had previously mentioned that uh, i watched them play the ducks and and i what i didn't watch the whole game i picked it up after i had watched i want to say one of the sabers games or an earlier seven o'clock game that I was interested in. And, you know, after that seven o'clock game ended, I was like, I'm not too tired. So I'm going to stay up. That game was, you know, in its third period. And so I flipped it on. And at this point, I want to say the Maple Leafs had a three to one lead against the ducks. Uh, and like, it was, it was so weird. I picked it up with 1427 left in the third period. And roughly shortly after that, the Ducks made it 3-2. Now, the goal that was given up was off of a Marner turnover, a Mitch Marner turnover. And I believe Dmitry Kulikov just had a wraparound that, you know, went in. Uh, and, you know, now, now the Ducks see themselves 2-3. Sheldon Keefe calls a timeout and states, you know, he he specifically points at Mitch Marner, who's sitting on the bench right in front of him. And you can like lip read that he's saying something like, you are responsible for two turnovers. <laughs> and after, you know, this whole discussion, he's mentioning, you know, you know, we got to get, we got to get better in our own zone. We got to get, you know, stronger on the puck. He then benches Mitch Marner. Now I'm watching the Canadian uh, broadcast. So I'm watching the Maple Leafs broadcast. And I would uh-huh. highly encourage everybody to watch Canadian broadcasts because I know that you and I have mentioned it vocally on this, but I really think the Canadian broadcasts do a better job of broadcasting the game and giving you a better perspective 
than an American version. I think if, when you really watch the American version, especially ESPN, they overload you with analytics, coming yeah. up with some of the most random facts that you don't especially even you wouldn't ESPN. even care about. You know, they'll, they'll, if, if a goaltender makes three saves in a row in a minute, as you, suddenly you'll see a, a stat that pops up saying, you know, Igor Shesterkin was the first goalie in NHL history to make three saves in a minute. And you're like, okay, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that information. Yeah, it's but like any, buzz, buzz data. Kind of. Yeah, it, it, it's just, it's analytics just to be analytics because in right. the sports It's world, like if you hear that and you're not like a fan or you're not really paying attention, it's like, oh, wow, interesting. I'm learning a lot. Right. But like if you are a fan, it's like, what is all this useless information being passed along for, you know? Right. And, you know, so the Canadian broadcasts don't do a lot of that, which I really enjoy because I feel like it's it's too distracting when that happens. Uh-huh. Uh, but one a little harp I have with the Canadian broadcast was uh, during the TV timeout after Sheldon Keefe called a timeout, got his group together and pointed out Mitch Marner. We come back and the first replay they show was Mitch Barner leaving the bench with his gloves on the trainer who's responsible for giving somebody a new stick that's broken. You can see Mitch and him talk and they exchange words. Next thing you know, the trainer hands him one of his sticks. He then goes down the tunnel off the camera and he, we don't know what he did, but you can assume that if he took a stick and left without us and, and came back without a stick, that he probably broke it, did something to it to, to relieve some aggression. Mm-hmm. He comes back. That's when Sheldon Keith benches him, um, because he 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 left the bench. And, and and keep in mind, Mitch Marner wears an A, so this guy's an assistant captain who, after getting criticized by the head coach for causing two turnovers that led to two goals, got up from the bench, went to himself, and let out some aggression. And then came back to the bench. You know, people are calling it a, a, a temper tantrum. And I think that that's a little too critical. But it is to say that there was sort of a temper to him. And I criticize Mitch Marner specifically of the big four. Because I feel like he's a player that, you know, he's he's just, I don't know. I heard this discussion on, on another podcast. I just don't know if he's a guy that can handle playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs and being under such scrutiny, that you know, media. Yeah. that media. And, and it is brutal to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Don't get me wrong. You know, big markets like the New York Rangers and the Boston Bruins, they will have their fair share of media scrutiny. But if you breathe wrong in Toronto, somebody somewhere is going to write an article on how you're breathing wrong, you know, and uh-huh. why you, why you're a little detriment to, to, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then after that, of course, uh, Marner gets benched. However, they get scored on and the game is now tied three, three Sheldon Keefe then bows down and doesn't bench Marner. So what ends up happening is now Marner's playing. And the problem with that is, but what did, what did you bench him for? It's already too late. Yeah. It's already too late. You, you, you just bent the knee, you know, you you were the one who stated you, you caused two turnovers that led to two goals. And now the game's tied. 
Yeah, it's but like then, it's like when the game was was starting to get out of control, you blamed someone, and then it's now out of control because it's now tied, and it's like, okay, get back in there and get us the yeah. game back. It's yes. like take a side. Yeah, I see. Yeah, what it, you mean. That, that's exactly it. And you know, it's a criticism of Sheldon Keefe. It's a criticism of of Mitch Marner, and you know the reason why. Ryan and I were going back is because he was it's not that he was saying Austin was the problem, but he, he was saying that Austin needs to step up. And I'm like, I, I was it was confusing me because I'm like, a guy just scored 62 goals. Yes, they didn't perform in the playoffs. He won the Art Ross trophy. What, what can Mitch Marner say? Mitch Marner's never won the Art Ross. He's never run the Rocket Richard. You know, he, he doesn't have any of the accolades that Austin. He's Matthews never even has. really been in the conversation. No, any of it either. it's not even know, the fact that he didn't win it. Th- there's also, you know, of the big four, there's always Nylander, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, and John Tavares. I don't think I've repeated anybody, but in case if I did, no. oh, okay, good. I, I didn't think I did. But of those four, you know, it's, it's always seen maybe Austin or Mitch can flip-flop between one or two. You know, you could argue Willie's number three and John Tavares is number four. Again, Willie and, and Tavares can be flipped as well. It's kind of hard to rank them, but me personally, I see Austin Matthews as the number one player on the Toronto Maple Unequivocally. Unequivocal to me. You, you, cannot, you, you cannot compare. So um, when, when, when Ryan was being critical of Austin Matthews, I'm like, I don't know. And, and it wasn't, this isn't just Ryan, by the way. So many Toronto fans harp on Austin Matthews, and I just don't get it because he's been your number one. Sure, this season he hasn't been performing at his same pace, nor at the level that he's getting paid at. But can you say the same about Tavares? Can you say the same about Mitch Marner? And can you say the same about William Nylander, you know, for the past seasons and this season? I understand that John Tavares leads you in, uh, I believe he leads in goals. He especially will after his hat trick last night. And he probably leads them as points as well. But again, it's like, it's just so frustrating because you can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. You can't keep relying on the same guys. You know, you, you need somebody outside of that, that core four. Mm-hmm. And I think the Ducks game was the embodiment that showed Kyle Dubas. If, hey man, you're trying to keep your job and you don't want to get fired after this season. <laughs> Call somebody, ask them if they're interested in Mitch Marner, and start talking from that point about trades. Get some assets while you still can. It's not to say that I think Mitch Marner is the cause for Toronto's woes. It's not the fact to say that Mitch Marner is the reason why Toronto hasn't been able to make it out of the playoffs. Because obviously, it's been a collective effort. And I will be the first to admit that as much as um, Matthews performs in, in the regular season he does become somewhat of a ghost in the playoffs. And that's, that's the truth of the matter. But again, you can say the same about Tavares, Nylander and Mitch Marner when it comes to the first round, because if any of them were producing at the same level, they probably would have been past the first round by now. But anyway, if you're Kyle Dubas after that ducks game, you you almost got to start doing something different. You're going through the definition of insanity right now saying, nope, I'm sticking with the core four. I believe in these guys. Um, I, I like the moves we've made. What moves? You, I don't you, even you want got... to look at, at my options. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. It's like it's 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 a stubbornness that comes with, you know, you, you, there, it's one thing to believe in your guys. It's another thing to be stubborn, you know, when they say, dude, look at look at what happened. They let Jack Campbell walk and they went out and got who? Peter Mrazek. Yeah. At age yeah. 33, 34. I mean, and, and on top of not that, much else. On top of that. You know, Morazic was was Campbell's backup when he was in Toronto. After they let him walk, what do they do? They ship him off. They ship Morazic off to to Chicago to dump cap. Great yeah. job, Dubis. You know, you're opening up some cap space. What do you want to do with that goaltender, Matt Murray? I'm sorry, what? Matt Murray? Yeah. There's no way you just you just dumped Morazic for Matt Murray. And lo and behold, he's played one game thus far and got himself injured. <laughs> He now sees himself in the long-term injured reserve for getting injured in the in a practice. Hey, hey, there's some extra cap space, man. Yeah, it's you know you want to talk about. I I think we've we've hit it so much is that yes, there's your problem. It's your cap. You're you're frozen on these four assets that are consuming. I don't even remember what it was. They're consuming well over half. Yeah roughly like it's close to half it's like 43 percent okay uh because with bonuses and aav it it gets a little complicated but yeah okay four guys taking up nearly 50 percent of your payroll and you're and you and you and if you just freeze those guys and you ban them or you protect them from being um sent off and you know having that cap shift elsewhere by doing that, you now have to like pick and choose these other guys to dump for cap space. But but what are you really gaining from dumping them? Because it's fifty percent of the payroll spread now across twenty or you know eighteen, nineteen guys. It's slim yeah. pickings. You, you're not going to re- you're not going to get much cap space back from those folks. No. So I, I think you know now more than ever. You know we'll see where the you know where the. Maybe see where we're at at the trade deadline. Maybe pull the plug sooner. But currently, where we're at, I'm looking for them. I would agree. I think this is the year that you need to make a move with one of those four guys. Yeah. And I think yep. Mitch Marner is is the guy to do it, especially because Tavares is, has been given the, the captaincy. You don't want to dump that and go through that. Right. All again. It, and and the, the two players that come to mind that I would seemingly – agree are unmovable have to be Austin Matthews and John Tavares because even though John Tavares hasn't necessarily played at the same level that Matthews has had um, fun fact I don't even think Matthews has had a season so far in his career where he scored less than 33 goals keep in mind he's a pretty injury prone player too so he's all of all those seasons not many of them are 82 games and the one that he was closest to 82 he scored 62 goals right the, the last player to score 62 Mike goals. Mike drop. I, yeah. <laughs> the last player to score 62 goals in his season, I want to say, was Steven Stamkos in either 2011 or 2012. Okay. So it's been a while. And, uh, you know, quickly looking at the Leafs' strength of schedule outside of that Anaheim game, that's more of like, to me, the Anaheim game was just a point to make. You got to do something new. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Outside from that, their losses come from teams that have not only didn't make the playoffs last season, but haven't made the playoffs in quite some time. 
name, namely the Arizona Coyotes. They lost four two two on home ice. I watched that game. It was it was comical to watch. Then at the same time, you're almost wondering how are they this bad? How how, can, how are you not being Arizona right now? They then have a really good three game. Uh, sorry, two game stretch where they beat Dallas and beat Winnipeg. And that Winnipeg game was a statement game for them, you know, especially after the way they played in, in Arizona. You, you figured, OK, you know, winning four one against Winnipeg, it's a formidable opponent. You know, Winnipeg struggled recent years, but, you know, they still got talent, certainly more talent than the Coyotes. And again, Dallas has been pretty hot this season. So winning, beating them as well was impressive. They lose to Vegas. That's a one off. Vegas, like you said earlier in the podcast, they're playing at a level that the Bruins are at right now, and those two teams are unstoppable, or seemingly are unstoppable. So again, that's a one-off. Then they go on their Western road trip to California, and maybe seven years ago, this would have been a difficult road trip where, you know, I think the Western road trip, specifically in Canada, was known as the Valley of Death uh, back then when both, or when all three teams uh, san jose la and anaheim were, were really good like gets laugh cory perriera stuff like that it was known as the valley of death and getting two points out of six was hard enough nowadays it's it's not the valley of death anymore if anything it's the valley yeah. of life you know if, if if you need to get <laughs> points facing the sharks kings and ducks are you know a good boost for your good, team good options yeah yeah good <laughs> if, if you're looking for some from some points this is where to do it and toronto Plus ends up losing Seattle out there now too another easy win yeah yeah exactly and you know so it, it's not as hard as it was but apparently for toronto it's their kryptonite because they lost 4-3 against the san jose sharks now in this game specifically the san jose sharks blew a 3-1 lead that they had over Toronto. Toronto comes back and loses in overtime. So, again, it's like that's not a great loss to take, but given the situation you were in, you mustered one one point. So, honestly, not too bad. The L.A. road trip is where it starts getting like, come on. That L.A. game was absolutely embarrassing. They the Toronto could not get anything going, and any time they scored, it was almost like L.A. had a had a response just like that. They end up losing that game 4-2. And then, as I mentioned, this the Ducks game where they, they blew a two-goal lead and eventually have the Ducks move it on into overtime and win it. Uh, it, it that strength of schedule is it, – it's kind of too early to say who's got a hard schedule, but when you play Arizona, Montreal, uh, San Jose, L.A., and the Ducks in the same, in the same month – you know, people are going to say that's a pretty easy schedule and they weren't able to, to get six points. They got two points out of that Western road trip. And you're just at a point now where Toronto's got to do something different. And again, Dubas is trying to keep his job probably more so than Sheldon Keefe. Sheldon Keefe gets a lot of heat for what he's done. He gets a lot of heat for that decision he made to bench Mitch Marner only just suddenly after two shifts and the Ducks tie the game to put him back out and say, hey, man, we need a goal. Can you get back out there? I mean, imagine how awkward that must have been for both Keefe and Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner, after yeah. throwing a tantrum two shifts later, his coach is over his shoulder saying, all right, you're up. You're probably thinking, what the hell? Was was that a bench or a, more of like a timeout session? Um, right. So, And also, Sheldon Keefe has the highest winning percentage 
of any head coach in Toronto Maple Leafs history. So can you imagine the PR when Dubas oh. and Kyle <laughs> Shanahan come out and fire him? You're going to leave fans scratching their head going, I don't think anybody knows how to run this team. So there, that's the reason why I, I see say, a lot of burning Maple Leaf jerseys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's it. Um, I think I even heard a rumor that somebody specifically bought a Mitch Marner jersey after that Ducks game just to burn it. Nice. <laughs> it, it's nuts. It's like, come on, people, stop wasting your money like that. Think. Think. You're paying yeah. Mitch Marner in that situation. He's <laughs> yeah. getting royalties. Yeah. He probably sees that video and says, thanks for the 200 extra dollars he just made me. Yeah, right. But again, I just want to, you know, to finalize it, I just want to make the point and reiterate that Kyle Dubas, if he wants to keep his job in or w- with the Toronto Maple Leafs, you got to do something different. And maybe that's shopping Mitch Marner. Maybe it's shopping William Nylander. Not to say any of those guys are the issue in Toronto right now, but maybe it's time to finally. Financially, hey, at, the, at the very least, dude, they're a financial problem. At the very, very least. Because I don't think, aside from, aside from Matthews, I don't think any one of those guys is really giving you your that return on investment. Right. Not for the not for the cap hit that they're doing. Right. And again, it was said coming into this this um season, especially with the moves that Dubas made for goaltending, specifically getting rid of Mrazic's contract, not resigning um Peter uh sorry, not resigning uh, Jack Campbell, as well as bringing in both Samsonov and Matt Murray, two goaltenders that were written off from their former teams. You know, it, it was like, okay, you're, you're taking some big risks here, Kyle Dubas, but at the same time, you're keeping this team relatively more than the same. Because again, you're, you're, you're so stubborn to not get rid of that core that if you want to keep your job, you got to do something different. And that's something different uh, in my opinion is, is 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 trading one of those big four? And again, we we've already talked about that. Tavares and, and Matthews are probably untouchable. So your only moves made are Nylander and Mitch Marner. Something's got to give. And I I, I want to say that Mitch Marner is my decision because, like I mentioned earlier, I feel like he's a guy that maybe can't handle the Toronto Maple Leafs and just the media yeah. scrutiny and all that. So maybe that's a guy that just needs a change of scenery to sort of not find his game because he, he is a hell of a forward, but maybe just give himself that sort of take break mentally and, and take the pressure mm-hmm. off. You know, uh, if he if he played for the Hurricanes, which I know, I believe when he was a restricted free agent, there were rumors that you guys offer sheeted him. Um, you know, I just bring up the Carolina Hurricanes, for example, because that's a team that has other players that produce more and would be expected to do more than a Mitch Marner would. Uh, So if Mitch Marner went to Carolina, he'd probably find it more relaxing, less pressure than playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs being a part of the quote unquote big four, you know? Well, and on top of that, man, you go, uh, the problem was with Dougie, Dougie Hamilton. They, you know, they didn't think he was cut out for the Boston media, for the Calgary media. And then he came to Carolina and, I mean, another thing that you can see in these guys' faces is, is all that pressure coming off. They, 
you know, that you don't have any more of those hard Bostonian reporters that are really, really asking you the tough stuff in your face after games, after practices. It is much more laid back in a market that is not a traditional hockey market. Um, and that dude, I, I mean, it's hard to argue with you. I, I think, I think you're spot on with if the if the ship doesn't turn around soon, the trade deadline starts come coming to knock. I do think it is time to pull the trigger on one of these big four, especially if you're still within that playoff run. Um, maybe. And even if you're trying, like, even if you think you might have to now start a rebuild, whichever the scenario is, I think it's a good time to to look at selling Marner's contract because I do think out of the four, or at least out of the two that we feel are movable, it's the most appealing one. Um, and maybe try and find some team that is struggling in a non-traditional, you know, something like the Predators, the Stars, teams that are out of that line life of those traditional hockey markets and get him into a team that might provide you with a good amount of, of picks, draft picks, prospects, et cetera, um, to sort of alleviate some of that cap issue and maybe even bring some more depth to the table, which is again, what we always talk about Toronto needing. I, I think you summed it up perfectly and I don't disagree with any of it. Um, It'll be it'll be fun to see where that team heads and then what they do at the trade deadline. Um, you might be muted if you're talking, but oh, um, sorry, you're all right. I I just want to quickly make the point. <laughs> you know, like something has to happen, something different has to happen because the definition of insanity. It's doing the same thing over and over again oh, and yeah. expecting a different result. And it's insane watching what's going on with the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> really is. Right. 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 But um, Fun I, segment. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. Um, Fun segment before we uh, finish here. You want me to give that take I was telling you? Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. I was going to say you, you can All start right. it. Yeah, so so that's you know that that'll end the the main content for this one. But if you're still hanging on, I wanted to make this point. I know it's going to be an unpopular opinion, but for, I mean, first of all, some of the uniforms that are coming out this season are absolute money. Specifically, those teal like NFL uh, color rush uniforms that San Jose wears, I think are one of the nicest looking uniforms right now and hate on me all you want for that teal color i love the look of it um carolina was playing against them wearing those and and the contrast between carolina and white with a little bit of red and the the full-blown teal the pants the socks the the sweater everything the helmet i just thought it looked amazing and i love the like white logos that they have I think either on the side or or maybe it's the main one. Um, I just think that those are the best. And those jerseys last night that Buffalo was wearing are probably number two. I really liked those as well. The white pant look I find to be so, so clean and satisfying, dude. I love white gloves and, and the white pants is, I mean, I don't All white think everything. I've seen that. 
yeah all white everything yeah <laughs> yeah so um i'm trying to find right now to see if that's san jose's reverse retro for this season it might um, be so yeah I, I was gonna say i think it is i i don't believe they named that an alternate uh i know that those jerseys for anybody who's interested in the retro reverse retro jerseys they won't be on sale until november 15th uh in the nhl shop so if you're interested NHL in NHL sponsor us yeah <laughs> shameless plug uh, i wish i wish but uh, if anybody's interested in both that jersey that he's mentioning uh the san jose one and specifically the sabers reverse retro uh, those will be on sale on november 15th like i said so i will look up right now to see if that san jose one is a reverse retro but i'll also talk about the sabers one and give you my take because personally i I like the look. Don't get me wrong. I really like the all white look. Overall, we did it in our yeah. we, we did it in our 50th season, and um, that was the season that we won 10 in a row. And then after that, we just <laughs> crumbled like a house. Returned to glory. Yeah, yeah. We we went back to the bottom of the Atlantic where we belong. But <laughs> that look was so good, and it was a very simplistic look for the yeah. Sabers. It was their normal crest with just white and gold rather than gold. the typical blue so and, nice. and yellow and so this season i i looked at their uh I, I looked at specifically their jersey and i just oh it irks me that their reverse retro was a homage obviously to the goat head that they wore in the late 90s early 2000s mm -hmm. uh, that was usually red white and black Mainly being black for home, or black, I think, for away, and yes. home for white. Uh, and then obviously the reverse retro, uh, the retro part was the fact that they, it, it was the that, it was it was the logo, and then the reverse part is the fact that they reversed the colors and made it our current colors, which are the, like the navy or not navy blue, the royal blue, royal. with uh, white in it. So that's the whole reverse retro part, and that's. Again, a team that understood the assignment. Other teams just took old, you know, logos and just kept the same colors but made it a little bit different. And mm -hmm. it's like that's not a reverse retro because you didn't change your your colors. But that's beside the point. Um, I I personally like the 50th year anniversary jerseys a lot more than the ones this year. And I specifically I say that because the freaking when you look at the chest up, like from the logo up on that Sabres jersey, <laughs> chef's kiss, chef's kiss. That is a freaking unbelievable, just well thought out design and the color scheme and everything is great. But when you look below that chest and you look towards the waist, they have the this ugly and I hated it. It, it was, I think, I, I know it started with the the uh, goat head jerseys. Cause when you look back at it, they had the triangle on the sides almost. Uh, if you look yeah. back, if, oh, if, yeah. Last night's you mean? Yes. Yeah, so that yeah. last night's game, they had those triangles that were yellow. Out. Yes. They have the triangles that are yellow and it just, Oh my, to me, it ruins <laughs> Jersey. Cause when we released, I, liked I was, I was hyping, I was hyping us up because our reverse retros from, I think two years ago or a year ago, were uh the sabers again from like the early 2000s mm -hmm. that was still black red and white but instead it was reversed to the colors we have now and again that looked beautiful i like that design and with that specific design as well they didn't have the 
yellow triangles that are on the side. Gotcha. This time around, they did the yellow triangles, and to me, it just it doesn't it. it doesn't mix well. Personally, it, it didn't mix well. Uh, Andy, you love it. I dude, I, let me I would you. have to say that the sharks <laughs> are better. Like you said, the sharks were better. Uh, I definitely give them number one, but. Uh, I, I don't know if I let can me argue for it. Let me before we get going. Let me argue for it. <laughs> Go they were dude. They I loved that white jersey last night. I thought it was like tops. I turned the game on late. I was watching the other game last night. I forgot who it was. Um. Anyways, I turned it on and I the first moment I saw the the jerseys, it was in motion. So you know somebody was coming up the middle and let me tell you what the triangles do i know that they don't look great they sort of turn the jersey into like this practice jersey looking thing i get it if that's why you don't like it i totally get it but because it's an all-white look those triangles give the jerseys some definition and they give the guys they look it's sort of like a black like wearing black it looked they look slimmer they look taller and bigger because they had a little bit of definition on their ribs going on. And uh, and so, I mean, I the white pants really sealed the deal, too. I mean, even if the rest of the outfit wasn't white and it was only those white pants, I still probably think I'd say it's a good uniform <laughs> because yeah. I just I really liked those white pants. I've never really seen that look. Yeah, and it's not an easy look to pull off because a, nah. a lot of too much color is what turns people off and i feel a lot of white mostly turns people off because it's, quickly it's it's, quickly, it's yeah. one of the biggest reasons is for nhl specifically the ice is white and when you're wearing white jerseys it's not to say you blend in with the ice but it is to say you don't know where the jersey ends out. where it yep. starts you know you're like the pants are white they kind of blend in with the with the jersey, On the socks are white. That, if they get too close to the boards, you now start seeing advertisements. Right oh. <laughs> oh man, it's I understand where the NHL is coming from with that, and th this is a quick sidebar, but um, they're doing that because they're very close to. I, I I don't know if it's paying off the escrow for COVID, but they're doing that because if when they do that, and they have the um, I'll call them live ads on the boards. Dynamics, uh, what I was calling them. Like, I like that better, actually. That, that dynamic they have on the boards, um, it's allowing us to, once we get through this season, the cap is going to go up about, I want to say, 3 to $4 million. So as long as this is just a one-time thing for this season to get us, again, paying off that escrow from COVID and finally being able to get past it and, and you know increase the cap, I'm totally happy with it, but if it's a common thing, yeah, everybody start getting used to white teams when they get hit into the boards, blending in with an ad that says, <laughs> you know, freaking the, the Fanatics Tim ad Hortons. or whatever. Yeah, Tim Hortons. Or my favorite, PS5, play has no limits. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, just wanted to clarify that the Sharks reverse retro this season is not that jersey uh, that okay. we saw them play against Carolina their reverse retro I remember now is arguably the worst of the reverse retros that were released it's a throwback to the California seals and the seals just had a very awkward um 
font to their logo and the colors just i i guess the, i don't hate the colors i'm gonna send it to you on uh instagram andy it should already be opened up to the the sharks right. reverse retro but when you compare it to the ones that you guys were uh not when you guys were wearing the other night but when they were wearing the other night you'll oh you'll yeah <laughs> yeah you'll understand why yeah. i would agree that the ones they have now it's... that they are playing against you with are so good yeah, I get it. I mean, it's a throwback to an age where computer graphics just literally were not a thing compared to what they are today. So I get it. But yeah, no, the ones that I'm talking about, those color rush teal looking ones, fire. And sue me if you want an NFL for saying color rush. I bet they've got that one unlocked too, just like Super Bowl. <laughs> that just cost us a hundred bucks. <laughs> So the weird thing is, and when I'm looking up that jersey for the Sharks, I cannot find it because I'm trying to, for anybody who's listening and, and can't see, I'm trying to find that jersey for them to look at, and I can't. So um, we'll have to search. I'll go back and yeah. find it. Yeah, you can search. Maybe watch the uh, highlights from the Carolina jersey and just send them that way. That's exactly what I was going to do. <laughs> <laughs> smart, smart. Uh, if you want to get into uh, like continue this fun little segment for a little bit longer, we can even go into some of the jerseys that we don't like currently. Um, you could it could be I, a reverse retro jersey or like an alternate jersey. I was gonna say I I do admittedly need to get going here. Okay, but, All right. but that's not a bet. We can do it at the end of the next one. Yeah, yeah, that's I, fair. I think we'll hopefully be coming back from our hiatus now. Yeah. I would agree. Thursdays are pretty good days for me uh, to okay. do an episode because it's it's my off day for the gym at least. Um, before everybody else goes, my number two pick for like a really good jersey is the Vancouver Canucks reverse retro this season with um, yeah I forget what that, they like, call lumberjack. that logo with the lumberjack that that yeah. would replace the Sabers for me. Uh, so if anybody wants to look that up, you can find it. Uh, I follow NHL discussion on Instagram and they're, they use a lot of hashtags. So just go on their Instagram page and search up hashtag reverse retro with two capital R's Easy. Um, and you'll be able to find what I'm talking about. But if, if you want to look it up, try to find the uh, Canucks reverse retro. Cause that that's like a shakeup to what we normally see, which is, you know, the rink with the stick in the middle of it. The typical Canuck C, where it has the Canuck coming out of the top of the C. Um, yeah. And it's just a really cool off-brand design that they've never done before or haven't done in a while. Totally agree. But uh, like you said, Andy, if you got to go here, then we can wrap it up. Um, we appreciate you listening and, and uh, having patience with us for sure. Like and Andy returning. Earlier. Yeah. And returning. <laughs> um, I, you know, it's funny. I opened up Anchor, which is how I post these to get onto Spotify and our last episode had 40 plays. Nice. So, you know, a lot of people listening in and I hope that they start listening a little bit more when, you know, we post a little bit more regularly like we can. Um, Cause I, I love making the episodes and I know you do as well. Oh yeah. Uh, and I, I get a lot of compliments from friends who say they, they randomly listen to my podcast and like, you guys are really good. It throws me off. Cause I'm like, I, I didn't tell you to listen we to it, but they listen. Yeah, I'm like, who's running the podcast? Me? No. 
but now we, we really enjoy you guys listening to us and uh you know for the ones that consistently listen and anybody that just takes their time out of their day to listen to us we really appreciate it because you know especially when you're and you get to to my age and you know andy for example when he's already in his career you kind of find a hard time to take certain uh, segments out of your day to to listen to some leisure activities that you do whether that be podcasting or you know cleaning up the house or doing yoga whatever so we really appreciate you uh allocating your your leisure time to us big time yeah but with that with all that being said and if you have nothing else to add in uh, as always thank you for listening and of course peace, peace out, out.